0: Mr. Speaker, you're at the intersection of business and politics. This is the 14th and G podcast from Melman Consulting. Now, here's
1: our host, Dean Hinkson.
2: Thank you for setting your podcast out to 14th and G. I am your host, Dean Hinkson, coming to you here from the nation's capital with my colleague, Republican Bruce Melman and Democrat David Thomas. And guys, First podcast of the new year, and you know what that means. Extra minute. Extra minute. We're going to cover all of 2024 in 24 minutes or less, or it's free. Where do we start? We're the day after the New Hampshire primary. Maybe not as big a win as former President Trump was hoping for. Uh, Certainly not big enough of a win to get Nikki Haley out. She's going back to her home sweet home, uh, state of South Carolina, uh, which seems like a pretty big buzzsaw for anyone not named Donald Trump in the Republican primary.
0: Yeah, you know, it's uh, it could have, should have, would have maybe been a little different. But it's uh, it's really hard to see how uh, Ambassador Haley's going to get any momentum to change the poll numbers right now. Uh, the uh, the man she appointed to the Senate uh, has bent the knee for her opponent. Uh, it's uh, this one feels like it's uh, it's almost over. We'll see. She's got. You know all the remaining want somebody else funders are lining up but funders aren't voters
1: well and and how long do those uh funders stick with her we've got a month before this primary and uh all you know maybe they'll they'll stick with her but i am reminded of uh, a past presidential campaign 1984 when John Glenn ran for president, had How debt, old are you? He had. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about when he ran around the Earth for the first time. Woo-wee. That's forty um, years ago. No, but he. Um, the reason I remember that is because I remember when he paid the debt off for that race. Two thousand seven. It took him twenty-three years to pay off the debt of that race. I don't believe Newt Gingrich has paid off the debt. From his presidential run, uh, yet. Uh, he can correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, you know, that is a heavy burden to have to have on yourself, particularly for somebody who is as young as uh, Ambassador Haley, who presumably would like to continue to have a career. So I don't know why she's continuing. This is a foregone con- conclusion. I think the most amazing thing that we have here is that this. Uh, the, we have our nominees decided before the end of January. The fall campaign starts now.
0: Climate change, man. Used yeah. to, used, used fall to weather
1: start, in January.
2: It used to start after Labor Day. It used to start after <laughs> Labor Day.
1: This it, it started after
2: MLK Day. I mean, that is crazy. Well, let me posit one sort of theory. I, one reason she's staying in So much could happen. Uh, you've got two really old guys, uh, one who is under... Uh, serious criminal and civil jeopardy and if you're the last one hanging in uh now you know it's hard to see anything in the legal process happening that could impact this you were looking the at the actuarial term. tables
0: yeah it's hard to see any we wrote about this last year you know there are theoretical escape hatches doesn't look like they're going to be taken it is the rematch nobody wants it's what we thought was coming it's coming
2: what about the uh, what about the spoilers out there because I, I think uh, uh, Dean Phillips was uh, was there <laughs> did, I don't think he did, did Biden won on the right-in candidacy he, in mean, New Hampshire
1: He won in a right-in where he didn't campaign so I don't think things are going well for for Dean Phillips. he, he
0: didn't campaign he dissed the state. He, he devoted them.
1: He did a few events where nobody showed up, like zero people were there. Ed so.
2: Muskie, tears in the New Hampshire snow. Who can say what might have been <laughs> under President Phillips? Oh but, well. well, he's obviously not going to get the Democratic nomination, but uh, other folks out there, RFK Jr., probably most prominently, uh, you've got Marianne Williamson, you've got uh, Green Party nominee. Jill Stein. Jill Stein. And then uh, maybe potentially Joe Manchin continues to make the rounds on Sunday and uh, play it all a little coy. I,
1: I think as much as uh, uh, people, uh, some who want a third party, some who just like to have continued chaos, we've got our nominees. This is what it is. We've known this is coming uh, for a while now, and now it's here. It will be Biden-Trump. It will be the first uh, rematch of a uh, presidential campaign since Bruce 1892? No, no rematch. 1950- 1956. 1956. Come on, my friend.
0: Grover Cleveland in, 19- in 1892 was the first non-consecutive president, which is where I thought you were going. No, no,
1: no. i was saying the first Eisenhower rematch. I took out a Stevenson twice. Adelaide Stevenson Adelaide Stevenson. Um, and so that's what we're going to have. We we we've seen it's coming. It's now here. Um so get ready for a a very rough 10 months.
0: Although, yes, agree 100%, but we should probably separate the the Haley, the, the Phillips, uh, the Williamson, the people who are running for the nominations of the major parties from some of the others you mentioned who are the third parties, you know, Dr. West or RFK Jr. or maybe the no labels. It's almost impossible to see how a third party, even when you have two-thirds of Americans not wanting a rematch, both the major party nominees are underwater by double digits on favorability. But it's still structurally rigged against the third party. But could we see a third party getting, you know, even up to Perot level or in the aggregate up to Perot level votes?
2: We could. Hillary lost. Hillary lost by seventy thousand votes between three states. Trump lost in twenty twenty by. 40-some-odd,
0: 42,993
2: yeah. states. So yeah, definite.
0: Well, and Jill Stein, you know, uh, in her 1% or 1.2% in Wisconsin was the difference in Wisconsin in 2016. And I hate to do this because it's a new year and I promised I wouldn't do it, but my mind goes to Florida in the year 2000. <laughs> I'm sorry, DT.
1: Too soon. Too, Too soon. soon. Uh, look, th- there are great concerns about what no labels is up to. Um, there are a bunch of people who are trying to point out the real risk that their uh, efforts are going to uh, make against President Biden. Uh, third way in particular, uh, Matt Bennett and a few others over there are, are trying to uh, show everybody very concretely that a, a, a no labels campaign elects Donald Trump again. And so, look, that's, those, that's only one of the issues that we're going to be talking about. Uh, between now and November and it is it is remarkable to me and I'm still going to get my head around this that Super Tuesday is going to be a non-event yeah. like the the biggest you know primary day of any election year Super Tuesday which is you know
2: not until March and we're just not going to well we started with dessert uh we've still got to eat our vegetables that was dessert that was dessert come on campaigns elections that's dessert Good that's the Lord. fun stuff we have that was veg- a vomit <laughs>
0: milkshake dessert. That was
2: horrible. We have vegetables to eat. Uh, we have we have taxes and appropriations and uh, maybe a border deal that unlocks a foreign supplemental. Uh, Congress is back. Uh, have the House and Senate been back the same week together since the start of the year? They seem to be sort of ping-ponging a little bit. They're
1: doing yeah. In February that will continue. There's very few days that they're going to be both. Uh, in town in the month of February, which will be yet another challenge because uh, I think I'm trying to remember since we last met here, we passed another uh, uh, CR. CR. Um, We still have a laddered CR approach that go to the first two weeks in March. And the House and Senate really aren't around very much between now and then. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record. We should just take the tape from our last podcast because we still don't have uh, uh, the subcommittee allocations. We have
2: top line numbers, but we don't have the subcommittee allocations.
1: That's correct. And so the, the appropriators cannot start the formal negotiations here that our colleague Mike Robinson is always uh, reminding us about. That is That is critical. Can't happen until they get those numbers. So I, I feel like uh, we're, we're a broken record.
2: Yeah, we're so look. The, the federal appropriations is split up into twelve subcommittees, twelve bills, like agriculture, energy, yeah, and water. And I'm we know the drill. Here
0: on Capitol Hill, <laughs> so mm-hmm.
2: reminding folks how this all comes together. Uh, but we have not the, the House very much wants to consider these bills on an individual basis to the extent possible. Uh, that's probably uh, no dice in the Senate. Nothing's agreed to until everything's agreed to uh, in the entire uh, discretionary uh, federal budget. Uh, are they going to pass more individual bills? Uh, are they going to get these subcommittee allocations uh, and, and try to pass two big sort of tranches of approaches?
1: Boy, tough for me to to uh, see how they start passing individual bills. The House tried that towards the end of last year, and they couldn't going to pass the rules to even bring them to the floor. So I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to have, um, it's either going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a series of minibuses or an omnibus that would wrap up all the appropriations bills, uh, for this year, or, r- 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 you know, there'll be some sort of CR to just, just punt it till then, um, under current spending levels. Although there are problems with that based on last agreements that would cut the funding. So, um, it, it, it is um, it is challenging for me to see how this this
2: process moves forward here. And, and, of course, time tied and appropriations wait for no man. We're working on meetings for clients for FY25 appropriations requests while they try to tie up uh, FY24 right. funding. Uh, Not the only thing on Congress's plate. Uh, I'll I'll start with what's sort of, I think, the priority, uh, and that is trying to negotiate a border deal that will unlock a foreign supplemental uh, spending bill for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan. Uh, But that all hinges on getting something done on the border. The Dems need a border bill because
0: the border is an issue that's killing the president. Um, So therefore, ask for a lot because the Dems, they can hide behind needing to give it to Ukraine, but politically, they want to get a border deal done. So you have some R's who are holding out for, if not H.R. 2, a maximum advantage. You probably have some people who say, we'd rather have an issue than a deal. Like, don't solve the president's border problem. Let him answer for eight, nine million uh, people who have come here illegally, and and, uh, expectation you'll have more of that over the next term, keep him on the hot seat, you probably have some people thinking. But you also, even on the Ukraine stuff, you've got what is actually a historically longstanding split between the isolationist and the globalist wing of the Republican Party, Reagan being more of a globalist, you know, Taft after World War II being being more of the, you know, let's not do a Marshall Plan, let's kind of keep it in tight. Um, That longstanding, recurring debate within the Republican Party has reemerged around Ukraine.
2: It has. And it's you're seeing a lot of impatience uh, from Republican senators. You're seeing a lot of consideration, I think, you know, what's sort of dominating the Senate Republican uh, caucus meetings is, you know, do you do you move this thing forward with just 10 or 15 Republican senators who are willing to walk the plank with all the Democrats and, and sort of unlock that that cloture uh, for, for begging the, for the question supplement. does
0: it even get to the house um,
2: you and know then I, what does the house do with right it? Yeah. I mean I
0: have I'm having these flashbacks of the 2013 gang of I think eight on immigration where they ultimately cut a very senatorial a bipartisan deal that to meaningfully you know give each side a little bit of what they wanted but not everything and then it died in the house as did Marco Rubio's 2016 <laughs> presidential campaign.
2: Well, we knew we were going to hit the ground running here in 2024, and we certainly have. What maybe, and we've got a whole list of other things that the Congress has to get to. But there's one more uh, live fire exercise that wasn't on a lot of radars there at the end of the year, and that's this. Uh, that's this tax bill that's coming together. Uh, it's a combination of uh, combination of business tax breaks like uh, research and development tax credit and others on the one side. Uh, balanced out on the left side by uh, by upping the uh, child tax credit, which which Democrats uh, which is a Democratic priority, uh, th- it sounds like Speaker Johnson is prepared to put this on the House floor. Uh, this was a deal cut between the committee chairman Jason Smith and the Senate Finance Chairman Senator Ron Wyden, uh, but Johnson's prepared to move first. The House has got to start a revenue bill. Sounds like he'll put it on the floor under suspension. This thing could get north of 300 votes. Boy, isn't that something? Uh, yeah. it's, hats
1: off to In this environment,
2: to the uh,
1: chairman of the uh, finance and the and the Ways and Means Committee, that they can come up with a deal here. The vote that they got coming out of Ways and Means last week was enormous, and so yes, I think the goal is to try to get it onto the floor uh, next week, get a big vote that hopefully pushes it over to the Senate with enough momentum to get it over the finish line. Um, I think it's I think it is is definitely a live fire exercise, and I think it's going to happen. But answer me
0: this. Here's what I find weird about it all in the last two topics. In the case of this national security supplemental and border, there is a very realistic possibility of a 60-plus vote deal in the Senate. But the House may not be capable of having a bipartisan deal get done on that one. By contrast, the House may pass... Uh, under suspension. So like 300 plus votes for a tax deal, whereas the tax deal is looking challenged in the Senate. Is this just simply the, you know, the same dynamics that explain why they only got 34 public laws passed last year, the fewest in any calendar year since at
1: least World War II?
2: It's like an O'Henry
1: story. (laughs) I
2: I am not familiar
0: with anything but the candy bar. (laughs) Um,
1: No, but I think the difference here is between the, the, a per- the, the, the foreign supplementals or the appropriations bills and the tax bill, what does a tax bill do? It's cutting taxes. Um, politicians of both stripe like to cut taxes for their constituencies. If there's business tax cuts, a lot of Republicans are gonna be excited about that. Child tax credit, a lot of Democrats are gonna be excited, uh, excited about that. That's why I think at the end of the day, uh, this this is something that can get done, but they better go quick, because yeah, the longer get- this hangs out there, it, it's it's not gonna smell good. And my biggest concern is that, you know, uh, actually, I think I think the fact that, that, that Governor Haley staying in the race may save this tax bill because Donald Trump is now going to focus on his ire on her, which he certainly did last night, uh, instead of realizing, like, oh, my gosh, there's a chance of a bipartisan deal down in Washington that Joe Biden's going to get credit for. He'd blow this thing up in a second, but I think he's going to be too busy criticizing her
2: well I tell you that's that's the other dynamic that's going on right now because you've got you've got a lot of work being done from particularly House Republicans into the Trump campaign uh, to hold former President Trump at least neutral because you're right one mean tweet uh, you know sort of kills this you know and will continue to have an impact on legislative agenda throughout the year
0: and I see I see the Trump risk much legislatively far greater on the national Security supplemental. Just because if he starts making noise that the deal is a sellout on the border, I don't see how it gets out through the House. Uh, and for that matter, I you know we'll see if it can get enough votes in the Senate. The, the tax thing at the end of the day is it's not there's a huge tax fight that all of our clients who are smart are already starting to maneuver on for 2025 yep. when the tax cuts end. This stuff feels to me smaller potatoes and not very political. So I could see this one getting by without even if the, uh, you know, the eye of Sauron focuses on it, I think the tweet, the tweet missile comes at the uh, National Security Supplemental.
2: Well, we, there are other elections. We can, we can go back to, uh, back to our dessert here for a minute. Uh, I mean, look, the House is, on any given day, the House is almost evenly split, <laughs> depending on uh, who shows up, who's been in a car accident, who's been expelled. Uh, the Senate, the Democrats control the Senate by a single vote. Uh, both chambers. Our uh, control of both chambers is up on the ballot this year. Uh, starting with the Senate, I, this runs through Ohio, Montana, and West Virginia. I think West Virginia is a foregone conclusion. I'm willing to give that one to you, Dean. <laughs> okay. That one right, I see. You're going to give me. You're going to give me Jim Justice and Baby Dog uh, <laughs> coming to DC. That brings the Senate back to 50-50, uh, where it's spent the entirety of the last Congress. Democrats have to run the table because Republicans really don't have a ton of incumbent exposure uh, in in this cycle. And uh, Sherrod Brown in Ohio and John Tester in Montana are uh, are the two big targets here for Republicans to flip those seats.
1: Uh, they yes, they, are they the biggest targets? Absolutely, but. Look, if we have to have two guys who are the biggest targets, I'll take those guys any day of the week because they are both authentically great politicians who represent their states. Can you know? I'm not sure there's another Democrat who could win in Ohio this year, but Sherrod Brown could. So he is going to put up a hell of a fight here. And I think the same thing about Tester. I think they're both going to come back. But I agree with your point here. Democrats have to run the table. I think um, Arizona is incredibly challenging with what could be three candidates on the ballot there uh so that's one i'm a lot nervously
2: challenging to... or challenged uh, uh, yeah <laughs> there's a lot going there's a lot going on bless out there it's in the heart. desert. <laughs> bless their hearts there's a lot going on yeah look ohio uh, ohio has has gotten pretty ruby red i i think it's i mean if you look at senator vance it's more of a populist red than it is maybe uh, sort of an old-fashioned Reagan conservatism red that maybe plays to Brown's strengths with, uh, with, with union members. Be a lot of, maybe there's a lot of Trump-Brown voters out there, but one fly in the ointment, uh, big name in the mix for Trump's VP, uh, Senator J.D. Vance. If he's at the top of the ticket, what does that do to Ohio? Oh, good Lord.
0: (laughs) Well, look, you're right. Ohio is a Trump plus 8% state. Other than Sherrod Brown, I can't think of a dem that I wouldn't say is going to get smoked. We'll see. Senator Brown has found a way, notwithstanding the state getting redder and redder, to continue to to pull out wins. This will be among the tougher uh, performances if he can pull it off. But per the report we put out after the midterm elections, title, Candidates Matter. We give him, you know, Mike Lindell with my pill, Ohio. He's going to lose. So uh, we need to put A plus candidates like we have in Pennsylvania with Dave McCormick. You know, and and it's it's always hard to beat a Casey in Pennsylvania in a, in a presidential year. But if anybody can do it, it's going to be West Point uh, veteran, uh, you know, graduate uh, military veteran Dave McCormick,
1: who also lives in Fairfield County, Connecticut. So good luck to him.
0: Well, it's, he's uh, he's a. Pennsylvania born and bred guy. Well, well the the good
1: news is he's got a jet that he's always flying from Westchester County back to Pennsylvania. So don't, don't you know.
2: penalize success, DT. <laughs> do not penalize success. Maybe he
1: can pick up Oz on the way down in Jersey so they could do a victory tour.
2: Well, uh, Trump, uh, uh, former President Trump, is going to have to have a decision to make. J.D. Vance is one name in the mix out there, uh, Tim Scott is another. Uh, Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota. And look, people People say, you know, maybe Haley is making a, a total leverage play no here. Uh, you want me out of this race? Uh, I'm on the ticket with you.
0: Uh, I mean, look, if you're playing the actuarial and legal tables, maybe. But I just, I can't imagine. If you if, if you were advising Nikki Haley, given that all the other boys, either the, the 2016 crop stayed the hell out because they knew what they would have been in for, and the 2024 crop have all, you know, bent the knee with one exception my money says haley doesn't bend the knee she flips the bird playing for 2028 to try to be different um the the potentials you named as potential vps are right you might add senator Britt, and you might add uh, congresswoman stefanik as the two others that i think of and i hear often mentioned but i'm with you you know a lot of people don't think freshman senator vance but he's really on brand for president trump he really likes
1: i'm just curious why uh, yes, and I agree with that entire list. And clearly, some of them are actively campaigning for this more than others. Why do they think it's going to be any different than what happened to Mike Pence? Like, if you join that, uh, uh, you know, if Donald Trump wins, why do you think things will be different? It is uh, we see time and again people's, uh, uh, you know, uh, sign on with him and they leave with their reputations just in tatters or uh, under crazy circumstances. I'm just I think those there are some, you know, some some names on the list of people who've accomplished things. I just I don't understand why you do well, it.
2: Well look, I think you look I it's And it's that's not, why you're not gonna get picked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're out of a running D T. It's not an unfair point. I, I just think I think folks go in, you know, now we've seen an entire administration. Your eyes are wide open. You are the president's man. You are the President's woman Uh, if you're, if you're in that, if you're in the OVP and you just have to, you just have to make peace with that fact. There is no independent political profile for you.
0: But also, it takes a level of confidence and belief that you can bend history to run for president or vice president. Why did Joe Biden run a third time when he got smoked the first two times? Because he believed, you know, that destiny might smile on him. He was getting killed before South Carolina. The people who ran in 2016 against President Trump, who all of whom would like to still be president, almost none of them ran again this time. Why? A, they're young and B, they knew what to expect. But why would DeSantis think that he could pull it off this time? Why would Pence, who was there in the front row? Politicians always think this time is different. That unlike everybody else, they can you know they can keep you faithful. They'll make it happen. It's it's if you didn't have that level of self confidence, you wouldn't get into what is one of the hardest and worst professions on the planet.
1: I'm, I'm going to miss Ron DeSantis. What a <laughs> hell of a campaign, wasn't it? Hell of a campaign. And all the electricity of Scott Walker and uh, well, I don't I don't want to bring up some of your other friends,
2: Bruce. So <laughs> well, I, I I'll just I'll that. just leave it at
0: that. <laughs> Well, uh, I appreciate the other former governors of Florida appreciate that, too.
2: So much more to uh, suss out here in 2024. Let me just say it's great to be back with you guys, to have a fresh new year in front of us. All I know is if we survive 2024, I think America's going to be okay.
0: I think we make a vow that 2025 will do in five minutes.
2: <laughs> we're going to divide by five we're instead just, of adding one. We're just one. shrinking it way back down. Bruce Melman. David Thomas, thank you for joining me on 14th and G.
0: Thanks, Dean. Thank you, Dean.
1: Thanks for listening to today's podcast
0: brought to you by the lobbying firm of Melman Consulting. For more, just type 14th and G podcast into your favorite search engine or look for 14th and G wherever you
1: get your podcasts and subscribe.
2: Beam me up, Mr. Speaker.